Arsenal legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Now you're welcome along. Monday evening's Off The Ball is coming at you. We are going to talk hurling with Jamesy O'Connor. Opening round of the championship did not throw up any major shocks or surprises, but there is lots to talk about nonetheless, so we'll do that at half past seven. Damien Delaney on the football show, amongst other issues to be addressed. Tottenham Hotspur are a thundering disgrace. There is no other word for it. They are just the worst. And then Monday Night Rugby, Jerry Thornley and Fiona Hayes will look back on the weekend that was and also look ahead to what very well could be game of the season between Leinster and Toulouse in Dublin this Saturday. 53106, the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. Richie McCormack joins us remotely. Remotely, Richie, hello. I am very remote, Joe. How are you? Uh, good. And Michael McCarthy, less remote, intimately here in the studio. I'm not even remotely remote. No. A hell of a lot going on. So Spurs, a disgrace. We don't need to debate that, I suppose. That's just chalk it no, up. I'm, I am on. enjoying that they've become such a disgrace now that even even old uh, straight-laced Joe <laughs> doesn't, doesn't want to offer those hot-takey opinions. You know, even you're willing to go all the way. Yeah. Disgraceful. They are. And look, I mean, Spursy is a, a, nice, a nice word that's been used over the years. Like... I saw beyond uh, that now. I saw uh, you know there's like these predictors that you can do for the rest of the season, you know, and where everybody's going to end up. But I saw a few where like Spurs were like barely have any more points than they have now. And this was before the Newcastle game, and I was thinking this is ridiculous. Like you can't just write off a team; they're going to pick up wins. They're going, to... and then like honestly, I was watching Waterford Limerick, and Waterford were kind of struggling at the time. It was before they got back into it, and I was about to. I just kind of like automatically sort of went to the phone to like go onto Twitter but before I did just check the score app to see what was going on and five, and it took me three four minutes to really figure out what I was looking at here I was like did that match start early is there something what's going on here and it's just like but you kind of said yeah you know if it was going to happen to anyone mm. it's Tottenham Hotspur isn't it like, really really down tools it's really disgraceful You're, do you know what you use a perfect word for it because there is no way, way that turmoil of management should mean that a team with Harry Kane Son like all the players that they have like really really good players even with the injuries that they have are able to just like be 5-0 down in 21 minutes to a team that were hammered last week Mm. it's really poor I think Newcastle Newcastle are better than the, the. There was a good point made in commentary. I think Jim Beglin said it yesterday in the, the the game I was watching, saying that they're they've a good enough credit in the bank Newcastle to know that a bad result is just a bad day, and they've they've done well enough to know that they are better than that performance, and they put that behind them fairly quickly. Spurs opting to go with a back four for the first time in I think it was over a year, uh, for last for yesterday's game, it was a clear mistake, especially when I think three of them essentially are only really defenders or maybe sorry one of them one of the four is only defenders three of them aren't and Romero uh, or sorry Perisic on the left definitely isn't um, like, it, but they're not children at the same time either so there's a definite malaise at Spurs whereby the, the absolute top line for them is to qualify for the Champions League so as soon as they do that Daniel Levy's happy to move on so there's never a sense that there's any real 
drama. There's anything, any real jeopardy, any real stakes on the line for Spurs. Once yeah. they get to a certain achievable level, then they're okay. And beyond that, like if that if that fails them, they, like they fritz, they don't know what to do. And yeah, we will difficult. talk to Damien Delaney on yeah. the football show. I'd question Spurs' level, though. I have to say, sorry, to, I, I thought you were moving on, but I, am. Uh, I would just I would question Spurs' uh, like just self entitled place at that top table because Newcastle are coming in, they're taking over their spot in the top six. So I don't like Spurs. Don't have endless amount of money in the way that Man City or Newcastle do. I don't think they're naturally as big a club as Arsenal, Manchester United, or Liverpool. Mm. So where do they sit there? Because you look at like. Newcastle taking them over, say, as the Villa have a fair amount of money, if they get their act together or keep their act together, they're rivaling Spurs. Spurs is like, oh, we'll just get in the Champions League two out of every three seasons. You know, Harry Harry Kane is gone. They need another kind of linchpin uh, standard bearer after that. I would just, there's a huge chance that Spurs just fall off and go back to what they were in the 90s. Like. Yeah, Harry Kane's entering the final year of his contract as well. So that's another issue for them to contend with. Is any referee... Wonders Frank in Waterford going to be brave enough to challenge Limerick on their persistent foul play? I presume Frank is thinking of the Seamus Flanagan incident. Any referees entitled to miss one moment? I think we'd all agree it's most likely a red card. Frank is talking about persistent foul yeah. play. Would you agree with that? I think Limerick are. I, how do I say this? Uh, I think they play on the edge, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I think the Seamus Flanagan thing was a red card. I think that's very hard to criticise the referee for. I didn't see it live. I saw it on the second replay. Mm. I thought initially that it was a free. I I I was three incidences away as the way I thought that was a free in the first place. You know, you see those things on replays. They miss them. I don't think a referee seeing that and not sending him off, or like he didn't address it. The overall stuff like. I don't know. Hegarty was a it was a straightforward second yellow, yeah. and he got the straightforward second yellow. Barry Nash probably could have could have got a second yellow card, but I didn't think any of any of them were like end of the world incidents. Limerick play to what they can get away with. I've seen them. I've stood behind the terrace watching them in championship games, yeah. and you know there's little tricks, little things that they're up to. It's not necessarily a referee not having the courage to to challenge them. I think it's referees missing them because they know what they're doing and they're very good at it. I would agree with that. There's nothing really out of the ordinary in terms of Limerick's relationship with referees. Uh, John Kiley spoke after their win against Waterford. It was in the end just a two-point win. They were up by four points at half-time. They pulled away six points clear at one stage in the second half, but then down to 14 men and Waterford decided to have a real go and they did. It finished up a two-point win. So if you have kids in the car, just uh, flick off for one brief moment. I'll give you what John Kiley had to say after the game. You would think he would have been sated, happy. John Kiley's not happy. He's angry, Tony, and he's been angry for a few weeks now. And I'll tell you why. Kylie, after the win, this is beautiful. I mean, this is making a siege mentality when there's uh, you know, no need for not much to be found to, to, to get the siege going. But John Kylie says, let's be honest about it. There was some amount of bullshit spoken about our team this season uh, ahead of this week and the week before. He says, it's a softening up exercise mentally from those outside of our camp. But we were around a long time. We know that's nonsense. <laughs> it's such where? paranoia, like, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure people aren't just saying your team's really good because they're really good? Having these conversations where people like, I mean, like, we we have we're we're talking blind before a season into like what's going to happen. All the evidence there is that Limerick are better than everybody else. But like, I don't mind if he says it's bullshit and it's not right. Look at the yeah. evidence of today. But it's the idea that it's, it's this like. <laughs> 
<laughs> like moustache twirling from all of the other uh, counties out there to try and like take Limerick Sorry, down. No, it is. See, you weren't there. I just remember now. Me and Rich were there. You weren't at the most recent media gathering where, where we set the agendas. Yeah. Oh, did I, was yeah. I out sick that yeah, day? Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. The hammer was knocked on the table. It was agreed that we would soften up Limerick. Did you miss that agenda? Up, yeah, we're oh, softening up Limerick. We're permanently on the side of Stephen Kenny. And yeah, what was the other bit, Joe? Uh, I forget. I forget the term. Monster are terrible. Oh, we definitely. Monster yeah. terrible. There <laughs> we go. Yeah. There uh, a go. softening up exercise. I mean, I look. It's great. And I think if you were to talk to Kylie privately, he'd be like. Yeah, obviously, I know I'm talking guff there, but like, <laughs> no. I just like we gotta cling to something. <laughs> Look, uh, yeah, why not? Like, I mean, I, I'd, I'd say they got a fright yesterday. Personally, I thought that they were. I felt like they were in control. I suppose the last five minutes probably lies that a little bit, you know. But um, I thought that Limerick were always going to get over the line, and you do forget that they played most of the second half of fourteen men. Yeah. So it's always these qualifiers that people don't, re- you know, when we talk about Limerick, it's like it's like we talk. All the games were close last year. The Munster final, the semi-final against Galway, the final against Kilkenny were all close. It's like, yeah, but they didn't have Keane Lynch for any of those games. He is the most important player on that team. That they won it at all is an incredible achievement and shows how far ahead they are of the pack. Yesterday, they were down to 14 men for most of the game against a team that were well up for it, well organised. There was some, you know, they they, good analysis from Shane Dowling on on the Sunday game last night as to how Waterford really really uh, took a lot of possession op- options away from Waterford, you know, or from Limerick, sorry. So, like, but yet they've still felt like they had enough, you know. So maybe they're not going to go out and win every game by 20 points. Yeah. But I actually don't think yesterday took away from the idea that Limerick were, it was theirs to lose anyway, you know. I mean, generally, people have made points like their squad this year is stronger than in any other year of Kylie's yeah. tenure. They've said that they look odds on to win the All-Ireland again. There's nobody really coming at them in the way that Tipperary were coming at Kilkenny back in 09 territory. All of these things are true. Now, is Kylie right to point out we can be beaten on a given day? Absolutely. But I like the notion that there's a softening up exercise uh, going on from the outside, a concerted effort to soften up uh, Limerick. I mean, that's great stuff. That's great stuff. I love it. <laughs> the, uh, do you know what, Joe? They'll be lucky to get out of Munster this year. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we should press on with the news round, which is as ever brought to you with thanks to Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Spurs have made a move. Uh, yeah, they have. Sure, why not? This is going to fix everything. Tottenham have sacked interim manager Christian Cellini after what they've described as their wholly unacceptable defeat to Newcastle yesterday. They lost 6-1 at St. James's Park. Five of those Newcastle goals came inside the first 21 minutes. Cellini replaced Antonio Conte when he was sacked late last month. Ryan Mason is Tottenham's new interim head coach as they continue the hunt for a permanent replacement. And it's said this evening that their former manager, Mauricio Pochettino, is on the verge of being appointed new Chelsea boss. Damon Delaney on the football show after nine. We'll talk about Spurs naturally enough. Uh, make sure Mick talks about Villa tonight back in their box. Carl, the blue brummy. Oh, I'm sick of talking about Villa. We'd they were to. awful. They had their worst game under Emery. I watched it all, like, you know, even though there was a huge <laughs> amount of sport on. I was watching sport from 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday and I went to bed and it was a terrible game. And you know what? They were 1-0 down and they've, they've got a draw, Joe against a tough team away from home I don't know I think that's the type of performance that shows progress but Alan we'll in uh, Kilmallock not happy oh why not 
Oh, kill Malik, yeah. sorry. He's just, you've just explained it. <laughs> fair is fair, lads. You've, you've been telling us over the last few weeks nobody can touch Limerick and yet they win by two points. What's the problem there with what Kylie said? Look, there's no great problem. It's just funny. Um, generally, I suppose, Alan, managers would build a siege mentality when people are saying bad things about their team and writing a team off and we would hear managers say, you all wrote us off and we're not happy about that. So it is quite funny to hear John Kylie say, you've all said really nice things about us. It's bullshit. And I How know what you're you? up to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so you're up to no good. Don't take it too seriously, Alan. We're just having a bit of fun. Um I just went on to the Tottenham because I'd, I'd heard about uh, the how they sacked Cellini. Um, statement on the website tweeted, club statement from Daniel. I saw this. A letter from Daniel. Like <laughs> somebody Daniel. Tell club him, update from Daniel. You're sorry. not referred to by the fans as beloved Daniel. This isn't a letter from Daniel. <laughs> this is like, Dan. you're that you know what Levy. Oh you're not God. Daniel. They Awful. really hate Daniel Levy. I, I think it's one of those situations. It's a bit like when we weren't thrilled with Martin O'Neill. Yeah. And on the outside, and I'm on the outside of Spurs fandom, I would look in and say, well, look, I mean, the stadium is a really great achievement and he's hired lots of good managers, you would think, on paper and they've invested some money, you know, 60 million on Richarlison and some money elsewhere. It's not like it's he's been, you know, uh, should we, uh, kind of... Uh, uh, Absentee owner. Yes, or, 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 you know, all over the shop. And yet you talk to, you know, John Duggan popped in yesterday to studio during the game and he's like, I just want these guys, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just hate them. Uh, so within Spurs, they really hate Levy and I, I don't fully understand why. Yeah. Because I think I can see merits to the job he's done. It's it's the, that pursuit of the average that mm. I was talking about earlier on. It's that thing of once we set that bar forth, then there's nothing else to achieve. There's no real impetus behind them to go and try and win a Premier League or to try and win a Champions League or to try and win an FA Cup. They just want to have the balance sheet ticking over and looking nice year by year, keep us, uh, you know, one of the top level strikers in the country at their club. Once they manage to do all of that, then they've achieved their goals for the season. And that's that's asking for trouble in the long run because that will just be subject to the law of diminishing returns and then those players will go away and then they'll have a pretty rubbish squad to try and achieve fifth and sixth and I, seventh and I, eighth and downwards. I do accept that totally and I think Damon Delaney after nine, that's very much his sense of the situation. On the other hand, in some respects, you're going out and you're getting Conte and you're throwing him 15 million sterling a season. Yeah, like you're, you're not not serious either about trying to do something. That's a serial winner that you're bringing in. Yeah, for me it's I don't know. I don't know. They, from the outside looking in, and without all the details for sure. But for me, it's like I feel like it's shortcuts a lot of the time. Like they're looking for that success. They want that big name to solve everything. Yeah. Okay. As opposed to fixing it from the bottom up, which is what you need. Fifteen to do. million on Conte is cheaper than spending two hundred million on players. I, I grant you. Would you indulge me to read uh, the first couple of lines of Daniel Levy's statement? The letter from Daniel. Yeah. The, uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> a club update from Daniel. Dear all. Sunday's performance against Newcastle was wholly unacceptable. It was devastating to see. We can look at many reasons why it happened and whilst myself, the board, the coaches and the players must all take collective responsibility, ultimately the responsibility is mine. Christian will leave his current role along with his coaching staff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will not be leaving the club. Uh, so, Richie, James Lowe is out. It's a big blow for Leinster ahead of this game in Dublin on Saturday. Yeah, it is. They'd hope he'd be back, but he's definitively been ruled out of Leinster's Heineken Champions Cup semi-final with Toulouse. The winger has failed to recover in time from a calf injury sustained in their quarter-final win over Leicester. However, both Josh van der Flyer and Ryan Baird remain in contention for the game at the Aviva, at least for now. Van der Flyer is nursing an ankle injury, while Baird has a shoulder problem. Final decisions on both will be made later in the week. Reese Ruddock and Ed Byrne will play no part this week. Ruddock suffered a hamstring injury in their recent 
recent win over the Emirates Lions and Byrne sustained a tricep injury in their weekend defeat to the Vodacom Bulls. Toulouse have injury concerns of their own. Fullback Melvin Jaminet has been ruled out for six to eight weeks after suffering an ankle injury in their top Couture's loss to Stade Francais at the weekend. Ange Capuazzo is already out with a recurrence of the shoulder blade injury that prematurely ended his Six Nations. Meanwhile, Leinster head coach Leo Cullen believes he has the bodies to cope with Lowe's absence. Oh, it's like, you know, James didn't feature much for us, if you remember, during the Bill stages earlier on in the year. So, um, he was, because he, remember, he went back to New Zealand uh, for that round three and four games. So, um, yeah, like you've seen the guys, you know, Jimmy's been, been good this year. You obviously you've just had him. Uh, Jordan Larmer was unlucky to miss out, probably in some of those games as well. So, he obviously played the, what did he play the last 16 game, missed it in the quarterfinals. So, um, yeah, the competition is good regardless there. So, um, we're, we're reasonably comfortable there. Um, guys, even away, there was some guys featured okay. Um, so, yeah, no, we're, we're okay. Yep, yep. I think um, there's a sense that if Ireland France was maybe the best test match many of us have seen in however long, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere or in Six Nations rugby, that this will be the parallel of that on Saturday. Everything's pointing towards this being an absolute epic. So, we'll chat to Jerry and Fiona after eight o'clock about that. Uh, Leinster beaten sixty-two points to seven by the Bulls, like the most curious odd scoreline of the season. Their first, maybe and second team at home, notwithstanding, it's just unusual to see Leinster beaten by that much. But uh, nonetheless, they're top seeds, and we have the fixtures for the URC quarterfinal. The Aviva on Saturday week for their quarterfinal in the URC against the Celsi Sharks. That's going to have a 5 pm kickoff. The same evening, Munster will be away to Glasgow Warriors at Scott's Tomb, where kickoff will be at 25 to 8. The night before, Kingspan Stadium will host the meeting of Ulster and Connacht. Also, a 7.35 start to that one. Yeah, it's a nice lineup, actually. Yeah. Can I just say, we talked down about Munster a lot on the show, and look, they give us plenty of reason for it over the last couple of years, but. Their performance on Saturday night, and actually in both games when they were kind of do or die, yeah. given you know they were in the same venue, however, four weeks ago for a disastrous uh, Champions Cup quarter final, they were brilliant. They were twenty two three down for people that don't know, and came back to draw twenty two all. The final whistle went with Munster on the line, over the line, and not quite getting it down for a bonus point win. It was a brilliant performance. You had like the likes of Murray O'Matany, even Keith Earls come off the bench. All the old timers like were just stepping up. Uh, good all-round performance. Fekatoa was brilliant. Can I just say as well, Stephen Archer has played as a tight head prop two weeks in a row in South Africa. He's played 80 minutes both weeks at like top-level rugby. Yeah. That's unheard of these days, unless you're Andrew Porter. <laughs> yeah. And I think Jean Klein has similar numbers as well in the second row. He's been playing an immense amount of rugby there recently too. Has, yeah, put in decent performances. I think pretty much every one of those games. But front rower is... Yeah, yeah for tight head to do it. Yeah. And kudos Ben Healy. I mean, oh yeah, he should have been cast aside. Really uh, treacherous Ben Healy, but instead he's. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. I'm joking. <laughs> instead he trotted on in 53 minutes at 22 three down. Yeah, changed the game. Akin to last week, played beautifully. Meant to say him there in the list that because uh, he was he was I was saying it to you earlier like well uh, he was. Uh, Two weeks in a row now, Ben Healy has you know absolutely put his hand up that Carberry uh, Crowley absolutely will hope to get involved, but I can't see how Healy isn't going to start at ten against Glasgow. I wonder, based on current form, might Irish rugby at large have done more to keep him? 
because he's really like showing that he's made the right stuff. So do you, good do you on think him. there might be anything to the fact that decision made went off, yeah. pressure's off? I don't have to. I don't have to prove myself to them yeah. anymore. And suddenly you relax and play your best rugby. Yeah. You know that might totally. not have happened if he didn't go. Often see with players retiring. There's a certain. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy this now. So he's certainly done that really good. Keith Earls made his 200 appearance as well. That South African trip. These two weeks post their exit at the hands of the Sharks look like. 10 days which would just be nail in the coffin of their mood. Instead, it's completely rejuvenated their season. So we'll chat to Jerry Seven and Fiona points from about the two that. games. Yeah. yeah. Really, really good. Some texts in. Uh, Waterford were doing plenty of off-the-ball fouling as well. Yesterday, dragging down runners, tripping players, etc. And I'm a neutral, says Paul. I think every team does it. I of course think they fair, do. Yeah. Like, sorry, it's part of the game, it really, really at this be, stage. You know, oh, Limerick foul. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to win. John and Limerick, did that Waterford blank observe the persistent fouling by Waterford backs? And then he references David. <laughs> Don't get me started about that fella hitting Hegarty. Well, yes. I mean, it was open palm, but wasn't good. I mean, nobody should be running down from their seat to touch a player who's on the pitch. Breida and Sligo. Lads, why is nobody talking about Dublin putting 430 on leash? Four goals and 30 points, she writes in capital letters, in a game of Gaelic football. To be fair to them, they scored just 15 in the second half, so they had the good grace to ease off. But yeah, 4.30, it's, it's a score every two minutes in a game of Gaelic football over the course of the whole game. 4.30, what's that in all money? 42 points. Yeah, but it's 34 scores. You know, it's ridiculous. Really is. Yeah. In football, like... It, it's, it was hard to know from the highlights what was going on. I mean, I have a good sense of what was going on, but I mean, it's hard <laughs> It's hard to know why it was so <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, Leash aren't at their highest point at the moment, let's face it. Uh, but I, I think any suggestion that Dublin's dominance of Leinster might be at an end or coming to an end. You see, like even the, like Meath aren't exactly going to challenge them, are they? You know, they're out, lost awfully there in the Talton Cup. Kildare, very, very good chance of falling into the Talton Cup as well. They play Dublin next. Yeah. And, you know, like Offaly might be bright shoots, but they're nowhere near Dublin level uh, yet, you know. So it's just another grim Leinster Championship ahead. Like it's one of those tourna- it's one of those competitions that's incredibly uh, competitive if Dublin don't exist in it. Yeah. You know, Loud beating Westmead yesterday was a great story, you know. We don't have time to do everything tonight, so we're going to do a our football chat tomorrow with Colin Boyle one of the questions I might ask him given the rivalry of the last decade is whether or not he paid any heed to these Dublin trancings of opposition in Leinster like would you would you watch back the leash game for kinks or trends or patterns or is it completely irrelevant what I dare can say you it's learn relevant. from a game like that yeah. yeah I don't know I mean yeah I don't know patterns someone's tendency to kick here, here or there but in terms of like an overall where are Dublin mm. When they're not under any pressure, are you actually learning anything from them at all? Like, you know? Mm. Pretty grim, at least, training on tomorrow night. Yeah, I hope they, hopefully they'll get a couple of weeks off now. I don't know when the Talton Cup starts, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be rushing back to leash training, I have to say. And Mead, we'll have to talk Mead tomorrow. Absolutely. Like, Mead's, Mead's fall has been remarkable. You know, they won their first two games of the league. Richie will know more about this than I yeah. do, but, you know, it, it seemed like a decent enough start, but. I don't know. Like, I mean, this was coming. I think uh, it has been. Gordon, Gordon Manning has a brilliant piece in the Times today. Sorry, Mick. Like, yeah, it fine. basically it underlines all of the issues with Meath, and there they are many, a manifold, and they kind of 
start with a lack of harnessing of of potential playing talent in the county because like he points out Navan O'Mahony's are reduced to they're like obviously Navan's the county town O'Mahony's uh, reduced to intermediate level uh, I don't think there's a single member of their team on the panel yesterday and then you have places that have seen a massive influx in terms of um, population so your likes of your Ashburns your Dunshocklands your Dunboynes um, just like nowhere in terms of competing in county championships so like there are players in the county where they are and how they're being trained and what level they're all at is is really really saddening to see given the the boost that they've been given in terms of numbers they haven't harnessed that in the right way mm. uh to seek out gordon's piece because as i mentioned there it wasn't just yesterday this has been coming since deep early into the 2000s and before that uh, 2010 win with the joe sheridan goal yeah i didn't see gordon's piece i must check it out anthony well, moyles yeah. was interesting in the am this morning That's he said heard a rumour or two about happiness within the camp he doesn't love referenced that point about the populations in South Meath are they being harnessed and he you know he half referred to Colin O'Rourke joking about burning the Dublin jerseys you'd have a lot of Dublin families living in Meath and so you know that that was such a fixation for that O'Rourke team like they just were obsessed with Dublin by their own admission and maybe that's not going to connect with the younger can't. They're all they're all much. Dublin families, yeah. and they all have they all have Dublin accents in around that area. Like it's a just it's a different world. Yeah. It's an absolutely different world. Like maybe when you're up in screen or up beyond that kind of area, it's a little bit different and it's a little bit more quote unquote traditional. And um, but that but that that world is dead, mm. and they need to start living in the new one. Tom in Dublin, as a neutral, very disappointed with the amount of coverage Claire Tibb got on TV last night. Sunday game spreading itself too thin. Like, are you just baiting Mick McCarthy? Like, all <laughs> all of his faves there. Not enough coverage of Claire. Sunday game, too thin. I didn't see it. You're not getting into it. Maybe, maybe later. In the You'll week. say something you regret. Oh, no, will I answer the point? <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm okay saying it. I, uh, like, it, there's, it's nothing to do with... There wasn't a question. nothing to do with Claire and Limerick. I didn't think there was much analysis that taught me anything about the game, but that's fine. That's another, that's another story. The highlights are a waste of time. They just are. Like, I mean, I don't know what the solution is to that, but a uh, scores highlights, I've said this for years, do not tell the story of a, any Gaelic Games game, especially hurling. You know, I just don't think they, I don't think they properly highlight what had happened. And, you know, I think anyone who watched the 70 minutes of that game and then saw, you know, the kind of, ru- I thought it was very rushed analysis last night. You know, they started with the hurling, but, you know, because they had a lot of football to get to. But they took their time, with the, especially with the uh, Galway Ross Common game anyway. So, look, it's the hardest job in the world. It's easy to criticise and, you know, that let that be said because who's to say any of us would do a better job but sometimes it just can be very disappointed when think, you just want I, that extra bit that you've had from during the day and that's and, and, and also it's lauded as that we hear the Sunday game sets the agenda etc etc and I just so far anyway I, I haven't seen it the idea in 2023 that you have such a blocky format and this isn't just them it's like this is any sporting thing they basically show the highlights and then talk after it show the highlights talk after it that has to die at some stage because it's just not fit for purpose in the modern era when you can watch the games in GA go you can watch the highlights earlier in the day there needs to be a slightly more fluid way of, of doing things in terms of preparing and showing highlights and talking about them on TV well listen it's lucky we're so great in every that's way it, that's it 100% <laughs> but we are out of time <laughs> I asked to talk about these things is what we're here for 
But we're actually out of time. Oh no, being out of time is fine. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I think we're entitled to our opinion. No, of course we are. Let's talk about it on a slight tangent some night. No problem. Okay. So he gets real. He gets real out of the gig earlier on in the year, and he wants to go in two foot now. That's Joe Malloy for you. No, I like. The, I, I, I'm, I'm still trying to keep in with him. Uh, Richie, we're out of time. Thank you very much. Good luck with that Saturday gig. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much.